0: Here we go. Strap in and get comfy. It's gonna be a long road trip. Welcome back to The Swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true road trip horror stories. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's a road trip story or something different, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, without any further hesitation, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true road trip horror stories that'll keep you away from the highways anytime soon. This past September, I had taken a road trip down to Myrtle Beach with my family. It was myself, my mother, my sister, her husband, and their two kids. We had used my car and both my sister and husband's car to transport everything and all of us. We had rented a beach house for a little over a week and had a pretty great time. I was in the middle of a difficult point in my life and struggling with employment and being in between jobs and having just started two new fresh jobs. I was a little low on funds and worried about making my car payments and the like. So I opted to head home two days early with my car so I could try and get some more hours at work. My family expressed being nervous as I planned to leave after dinner and drive through the night to get home. I consoled them and told them that I would be okay and I'd be up all night. I'd head straight home and only stop for gas and food as needed. I'm a pretty good driver, a tad impatient, so I tend to go until I absolutely had to stop and take a break. However, This would be a 12-hour trip, and I knew I would need breaks. So, I made a point to stop at every rest stop and at least go out and stretch, so I stayed awake and didn't get too sore. As I was going through West Virginia, if you're not aware, these rest stops here are very secluded. The visitor centers and everything, they're not very... how can I say this? Popular. Especially when you're heading north from the south. Going through the mountains... I stopped at a visitor center because they advertised having a fast food joint and I had to pee like a racehorse. This was sometime very late at night, maybe between 1am and 3am, I'm not entirely sure. Side note, that sent shivers down my spine after what happened. I like to drive barefoot, so keep that in mind. So, I pulled in. I noticed the buildings with the fast food were closed so I drove around the lot and parked under a street light in front of the visitor center so I could at least use the restroom. Leaning out of my car door, I took my time putting my shoes on to walk inside. Having looked around and not seeing anything out of the ordinary, I checked my phone and grabbed my wallet before standing up to walk in, making sure my car horn beeped to signal my doors were locked. Walking towards the center... I saw a man in a white hoodie standing at the edge of the sidewalk leading into the center. I didn't think much of it. Why would I? Until I passed him and got a very weird vibe. For some reason, I glanced to my left as I turned to face forward and noted another man sitting at the benches that were on the other side of a tall, thin set of bushes. Instantly, I thought, nope, 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 nope. I went in, peed, and before I walked out of the bathroom, I called my roommate. As dumb as it was, because he was a good four to six hours away, I just felt safer giving the information to someone. I gave him a quick rundown of my situation and made him stay on the phone with me. I started to walk out and I couldn't see the man at the front of the sidewalk anymore. I glanced to my now right and saw both men standing next to a bench. Facing forward, I saw a couple walking in presumably to use the restroom as well. I had an impulse to ask them to walk with me but my paranoia kicked in because I knew something was wrong somewhere in my situation, and I didn't want to ask, thinking that they might know the men. Walking briskly to my car, I explained to my roommate what the men were doing, and that they were by the benches now. Daring the smallest of peeks over my shoulder again, I saw the man in the white hoodie start making his way towards me. I told my roommate. Walking a few more paces forward, I looked back again and saw his pace had quickened. At this point, I told my roommate he's following me to my car, and I booked it. I thankfully had a key fob, got my key out, and already had my door unlocked and my car fully ready to get out of there in just a moment's time. Not daring, another glance back, I threw my car in reverse and gunned it backwards before going back into drive and sped off. I didn't even stop to put my seatbelt on until I was already at the exit, leaving the parking lot. I didn't look back one time. I honestly was pretty freaked out. I'm pretty sure I never stopped until I got to the next toll road and filed the report and the workers called for the state troopers to head over there to check things out. I didn't stop shaking for hours, and I refused to get out of my car until I was home. I horrified myself with the thought of, if those guys had paid attention and made their move more quickly, they could have incapacitated me before I even got to my car. I don't know. I was pretty creeped out, and I'm happy, that nothing worse happened. Hi, Swamp Dweller. This story occurred last October and was my encounter with one of Texas's oldest unsolved mysteries, the Marfa Lights. It may not be as terrifying as many of the other stories submitted here, but it was a unique experience for me. On some nights... As you look across the West Texan Desert outside the town of Marfa, you may see strange orbs of red, white, or yellow lights floating above the desert floor. You may only see one or two, or sometimes several in the air at one time. Sometimes they hover perfectly still before blinking out, or they move, even shoot across the night sky. They are unpredictable in nature. Stories and sightings of the lights go well back into the 1800s, There are even Native American legends about the mysterious lights, and many researchers have run studies to try and determine their cause. The leading theory is that the unique atmospheric conditions cause headlights from the cars to be reflected in the sky, but a lot of people don't really buy that. While on a road trip with some friends from university out west to experience the beauty of the Chihuahuan Desert, we decided it would be nice to visit the area. About 10 miles outside of Marfa, We were staying in a nice little hotel. One of my favorite hobbies was going birdwatching, so I brought my big spotting scope on the trip, which I planned to use to see the lights better. We arrived about a half an hour after the sun set. If you've ever been that far into the desert, it gets dark. Incredibly dark. The only source of light was the dim lights on the steps of the viewing area, the stars, and a single cell tower out in the distance. I set up my scope and sighted in on the cell tower. We didn't have to wait long before a white small light appeared on the horizon. It moved slowly across the horizon before blinking out. Then another one appeared, and another. Sometimes they would go out after a minute, other times they would be visible for five or more minutes. Whenever I would focus my scope on one, I wasn't able to see any discernible features other than a small blip of light. Another strange thing was that whenever I would crank the zoom on my scope, the lights would never seem any larger than when looking at them with the naked eye. We stayed out for about an hour, and I was absolutely entranced by the little lights, and that wasn't the only time we had seen them on that road trip. A couple of days later when we were returning from a big hike in Big Bend, it was a long drive back so it was dark by the time we were getting back to Marfa. Driving through the desert at night is surreal. You can go a hundred miles and hardly see a thing. It's like the world drops out of existence beyond the reach of your headlights. And when we passed the viewing platform that we were at a couple of nights before, we saw about a half dozen white, red, and yellow lights way out in the desert. The most we had ever seen at once. Where it got weird was when I turned around in my seat. I saw a little reddish light behind us. There was only one single one, so I don't think it was a car. From my best guess... I'd say it was about a half mile behind us, maybe 25 to 50 feet off the ground. I thought it could have been a motorcycle, but then it started moving perpendicular to the straight road we were on. It followed us for probably about 10 minutes or so, and from what I could tell, it kept the same distance the entire time. And then, out of nowhere, it suddenly disappeared. We all said stuff along the lines of, well, that was weird, and none of us had ever seen anything like it and two of the people in the car have been out there multiple times and seen the lights many times. We didn't feel threatened by it, I guess, but it was a cool experience that not many people have had while seeing the lights. If any of y'all are in West Texas, be sure to stop by Marfa and see if you can catch a glimpse of these weird lights. People have said they're ghosts, aliens, car lights, or even electricity caused by rocks under the area, but I really hope that the mystery of the Marfa lights is never truly solved. We need a few more mysteries in the world. I'm from California, and way back when I was on the college search, I realized that I'd likely go out to the East Coast if I wanted to play field hockey. My mom and I organized a road trip through Massachusetts, New York, Pennsylvania, and Rhode Island to hit a bunch of different schools in a short amount of time. One of those schools was Ithaca College. It was a last-minute decision to stop there, so we didn't have much time to explore the general area afterwards. We had been told by multiple people that the waterfalls in the area were beyond gorgeous and worth the stop, so my mom and I decided to swing by one before we left for Pennsylvania. We put Ithaca Falls in our rental car GPS and it brought us to this red curb loop with an old run-down overlook This overlook was down a hill and through some trees, so my mom didn't really want to leave the car on the red curb. She encouraged me to go down and check it out on my own, and I did. The first time I went down, I was sure to be observant of everything around me. I didn't want any random people or any animals in the woods sneaking up on me. I went to the ledge to take some pics, sat and listened for the water, then turned to go back up. When I turned, I got this odd feeling as if something was wrong, like I was being watched or something was standing behind me. I got incredibly uncomfortable and looked around and saw nothing, and nothing really appeared to be out of the ordinary. So I calmly headed back up the hill. I got in the car, showed my mom the photos, and realized I never took a video. My mom suggests I go back down to get a video. We've got time. So, again, I go back down. The second time I go down, I feel a little less happy. I was down a slope, so my mom couldn't see me. I felt more alone and exposed than the time before, and that sinking feeling of being watched kept growing. I got to the edge to take the video with shaking hands. Now I'm feeling like I need to get out of there. This intense sense of urgency was washing over me. I turn around to go back up and some force stops me dead in my tracks. I'm frozen there like a rabbit or a deer frozen in headlights. I literally cannot get myself to move another foot forward. I can't take a step, I'm just stuck there. An overwhelming sense of dread sweeps over my body once again, and presses on my chest. Just such dread. I literally feel like I'm going to die at any moment. I still can't move and sit there terrified as I feel a massive presence come up behind me. This thing felt big, and so real and yet I couldn't get away. I'm stuck and helpless. I keep standing there, too scared to turn around and unable to move, when the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. This thing, this person, whatever it is, bends down toward me, and right next to my ear says, Yoo-hoo! I kid you not, when I heard that I ran faster than I ever have in my entire life. I tore up that hill, still too afraid to see what was behind me. I got in the car, slammed the door, and just like out of a movie, I yelled, Drive! My mom looks at me in disbelief and goes, Is everything okay? I just repeat, Just drive! She told me later that I was pale white and that I had the sense of urgency in my voice that told her that she had to get away from whatever I feared. What spooks me out so much about this story is that I never turned around. It felt so real that it could have been a a person or who knows what. But I was right against that overlook. I don't think anyone could have snuck up behind me. And I've also gotten that sense of dread visiting other haunted places. I really feel that it was something paranormal. As for the... Yoo-hoo! It didn't sound male, or, or female, I mean... I don't know. It sounded like something. As if it was trying to scare me or intimidate me. I would love to know your thoughts in the comments. Rachel, Mindy, and Nathan were excited to finish their freshman year of college. They decided to take a road trip to an old campground that is known for its beautiful scenery. It is well off the beaten path, but so is anything else worth seeing. Nathan was driving as they turned off the main road. "'Well, say goodbye to civilization,' Nathan said. "'I know. Isn't this awesome? Finally, no more assignments for a while,' Mindy answered. "'Right, Rachel?' Mindy turned to see Rachel fast asleep in the back seat. I guess being on the dean's list is tiring, Nathan laughingly said. Mindy was staring out the window as it got quiet. As they drove deeper into the country, Mindy noticed the old house off in the distance. Well, I didn't think anyone lived out here, Mindy said quietly. They don't, Nathan replied. There's a house right there. Looks creepy though, Mindy said. That's because it is. Nathan replied. "'What do you mean?' Mindy asked. "'Off this old highway a few hundred yards down a church driveway, "'people who live around here know to stay away. "'The house has a bad history. "'Everyone has seen it. "'Everyone and anyone who has crossed the path from going from point A to point B "'has looked to the side at night and seen that lonely dark house rotting by itself, "'although over the years it has gotten a fair amount of attention,' said Nathan. "'What kind of bad history?' Mindy asked. Nathan turned and looked at Mindy in her eyes and said with a seductive smile, Do you really want to know? Mindy laughed and answered back, I sure do. Nathan sat back and took a deep breath. I did a little research. In 1924, a family lived there. Apparently the father fell on hard times and went absolutely crazy. He killed his family, then brought their bones into the cellar with a shovel, and, uh, you know, nobody ever saw them again or him. So, he just closed the cellar door, and that was it, Mindy said. Yes, with a shovel. (laughs) God knows what he did down there, said Nathan. It was getting dark, and Mindy looked at the house as Nathan pulled over to use the bathroom. The setting sun cast an eerie light on the backdrop of the house. As Nathan got back and Misty looked at him, and as Nathan reached for the ignition, Mindy stopped him. No, I want to see it, Mindy said. Nathan looked back at Rachel to see that she was still sleeping. "Mm, Let's do it, Nathan said as he reached for Mindy. Mindy pushed him away. No, I'm serious. I want to see the house. The inside of it. I want to see what happened. Mindy said as she looked into his eyes worriedly. Nathan could not believe it. You're serious? You want to see what's inside? He asked. Yes, Mindy said as she held his arm. Nathan looked down at her and back up at her. Then Nathan looked at his watch and over at the house. Okay, let's wake up Rachel. Mindy woke Rachel up and told her that they were going to do something awesome as Nathan got the backpacks ready to be carried. Mindy told Rachel she could stay in the van if she wanted to and Rachel tried to talk her out of it. Are you crazy? Why do you want to go see it? Mindy told her she had to know what happened. Why don't you just, you know, go look for police records or something? Besides, that was a hundred years ago. What if there's some crazy person in there? Mindy rolled her eyes and began walking down the driveway as Nathan caught up with her. Rachel looked around as it was turning into night and hurried to catch up with them. As they got to the house, a loud thud came from inside. See, there's someone in there. They know we're here, Rachel said. It's an old house, probably rotting wood falling. Nathan said as he turned to Mindy and smiled. They reached the front door. As Nathan tried the knob, to their surprise, the door opened. It was dark and dusty. They couldn't see anything, so Nathan used his flashlight from his camping gear. They walked around examining things. Kids' toys, baby clothes, a straw hat, a tobacco pipe. Looks like they just up and left, Nathan said. I guess nobody bothered to try to clean up. They just let it all sit in here until the house collapses, huh? Yeah, well, they probably figured nobody would come in here, Rachel snapped. Let's stay together, Nathan said as they made their way to the back of the house. When they made it to the back room, there was another thud. Okay, guys, seriously, let's get out of here. That wasn't falling wood, Rachel turned to Nathan. Nathan, please, let's go. Make Mindy come on. Rachel pleaded. Nathan looked at her and then looked down at the ground. He looked up again. You're right. This is not our business. We shouldn't be here, he said. Rachel let out a sigh of relief, but just as she thought she had won, Mindy found something. Hey guys, look. The cellar. Let's go down there and see what the father did. Maybe we will find something that was left behind, Mindy said in a trance-like voice. "'Uh, Irf to Mindy, hello. Uh, no, we're not going into the cellar, okay?' Rachel argued. "'If you're so scared, you can go back to the van,' Mindy snapped. Rachel took her up on that offer and hurried back to the van. "'I'll wait in the van, but don't take forever,' she spoke. Mindy assured her that they would be out soon. Mindy and Nathan looked at the cellar door, and then at each other. Nathan slowly reached for the door and pushed it open.' A dark stairway led to an area that was pitch black. Nathan shined his light down and they slowly took it step by step until they were at the bottom. Mindy grabbed Nathan by the arm as he shone his light around. There's a shovel, he spoke. I bet that's the same one the father used to bury his family down here. But where is he? They slowly walked around, shining the flashlight around as it revealed more clues. Nathan shined his light on the mound of dirt. "'Look, Mindy. I bet these mounds are where he buried them,' he spoke. Mindy covered her mouth with her hand as she walked around the mound. "'Look, Nathan. A mound. But it looks unfinished. Where's all the dirt?' Mindy said confusingly. Nathan walked over to shine the light directly on it. He got a creepy feeling. "'There's no dirt around it, because that wasn't dug from the outside.' It was dug from underground. Nathan stepped back and turned around to desperately shine his light around. His light began flickering. Oh no, the flashlight's going dead, he said as he repeatedly hit it to try to get the light back on. Each time, it died. Mindy started sobbing. Nathan, let's get out of here. Something is down here, she said. She held his arm. The flashlight died for good, and it was pitch black. Suddenly, the cellar door slams shut. Nathan and Mindy stopped moving. Rachel? Nathan said. It was dead quiet. Rachel, is that you? He said again. After a moment of quiet, Mindy screamed. Rachel, it's not funny. Open the door. It was pitch dark and quiet as Mindy and Nathan stood there in a cellar, not knowing who was there or where to go. Suddenly, something grabbed Nathan and Mindy and pulled them by their legs, dragging them underground as Mindy screamed. Rachel was sitting in the van when she heard a faint scream in the distance. She got out of the van and ran into the house screaming, Mindy, Mindy, where are you? She followed the screams to the cellar door as she tried to open it but couldn't. The scream from the cellar stopped and Rachel covered her mouth to try to stop her panting from being heard. Rachel heard footsteps coming up the stairs from the other side of the door. Rachel ran out of the house to the van and jumped in the driver's seat. She reached down to the ignition and let out a sigh of relief as she realized the keys were in there. She turned the van crank over as she turned her head to the house. The door to the house slowly closed as the van started. Rachel was just sobbing as she jammed the gas pedal and drove away. Rachel reported what happened to the police and filed a missing persons report on Mindy and Nathan. The local authorities searched the house and the cellar but found no traces of them. The only thing they found were a flashlight, although one of the policemen thought he heard a faint screaming coming from deep underground when he asked his partner if they could hear it too. They claim they could not. Rachel told the police about the footsteps and the door closing as she left. Nobody knows what happened to the bodies of Mindy and Nathan, and Rachel is convinced that they are still down there. And if you go to that house and stand in the cellar, you will hear their cries for help. My husband and I love to go driving. We prefer road trips, but on the weekends or nights when we have nothing better to do, we go cruising and just drive around. We prefer smooth and not busy roads. On this night, we were bored and decided to go cruising. We went up north to a small town about a half hour from the city where the roads are curvy and smooth. This town is close to the mountains, and if you follow this main street all the way up north, it starts driving up to a mountain. It's about 9pm and there are very few cars on the road. And, since it's a small, cute town, it's already pretty empty. But we keep going north, away from the houses and stores, and eventually to where the roads start curving uphill. We drive up for about 15 minutes, and it's pitch black when we see some blinking lights. As we get closer, we see that a truck is on the side of the road, facing us. I'm getting the chills just thinking about it. All the way out there, in the middle of nowhere, and a stranded truck on the side of the road... This is not a good mix. As he slowly approaches closer, I tell my husband it's probably for the best to turn back. I had a bad feeling. But at this point, we are pretty much to the truck. As he pulls up next to the truck, a young blonde guy, maybe in his late 20s, comes around and gets next to our window. I get such a bad vibe by this, and I tell my husband not to put the window down. I think he also gets a weird feeling, so he listens. He kind of just loudly asks what's wrong and the guy just says something is wrong with his truck and he might need a hand. His phone is dead. My husband asks what happened, but the guy insists on showing him and to come on and take a look. He says it in a very friendly tone and even calls him bro and says he's so glad we showed up. My husband says, you know what, I won't be much help. I know nothing about cars, but let me call for help. He knows a lot about cars though, but that's not the point. The guy is insisting and gets visibly upset. I'm looking back at the truck and I thought I caught movement inside of the truck. I tell my husband, Dean, I think we should go. Now. He probably saw the look of fear in my face because he put the car in reverse, but as he did, the guy is now behind our car, acting stressed out, rubbing his face and kind of pacing. So, my husband decides to go forward instead then. We drive up for maybe two more minutes trying to find a place to turn around, since the road is just very narrow. The road turns to dirt, and there's little space on the side. So, even if we wanted to be quiet, you could hear the car turning around from a mile away. I'm absolutely dreading going back that way now, and our phones have no signal at all. In my mind, I know that this could really be someone with car problems. Maybe a friend is in the truck too. He never said he was alone. I just couldn't ignore that bad feeling in my gut though. We soon reached the area where the truck had been, but... There's no truck at all. We drive down maybe another five minutes, but there's no trace of the truck. We should have passed it by now. Like I said, we didn't drive up too far to begin with. I am both relieved and terrified that this truck is no longer there. If it really had broken down, how did they get it to work in such short time? Calming myself down, I'm telling my husband, Hey, maybe they really did get it to work. Maybe it turned on suddenly and they were able to drive off. Suspicious, but not impossible. As we kept driving through and the roads are straightening out, we notice far off the trail, the truck with all the lights off parked on the side again. We notice movement in the bed of the truck. I say out loud, why did they turn off all the lights? I think they think we are still too far away to see them, but we see two figures get on the other side of the truck and crouch down as if hiding. We get closer and my husband floors it. As we drive past, two men get up, One of them, the guy we had spoken to and someone else, with a very surprised look in their face. One of them runs behind us for a bit, and we see him get tinier in the back. I keep looking back terrified, but it's dark back there now, when suddenly, I see the headlights turn on in the truck, and they start driving in our direction, very fast. My husband keeps going fast, and eventually we lose the headlights. I keep looking back for the rest of the way so scared that they're somehow still following us, Maybe they turned off their headlights again, and I just can't see them. Anyway, after driving for a very long time back to the city, we convince ourselves no one is following us. We do call the non-emergency line and give them a description of what we saw. We didn't get the plates of the truck, unfortunately. It was all so fast, and all the fear that I felt, I didn't really think about it. We just gave a description of the guy we saw, the type of truck it was, etc. But there's really nothing that could be done. I realized this could all be rationalized, but in the moment, we were filled with terror and fear. Being out there in the middle of nowhere and all the possibilities. They could have been armed. They could have put their truck sideways and left us with nowhere to go. They could have put something on the road to rip up our tires. And even though it could all have some normal explanation, there are still so many questions. Why couldn't they tell us what was wrong? How did the truck work so fast again? Why did they turn off all of their lights? Why did they hide? It's been about a year, and it's just a creepy experience now. We still go cruising, but we usually just stick to more civilized areas, at least for nighttime cruises. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true road trip horror stories. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button, as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to The Swamp. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or another podcast platform, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating, as it helps me out a ton over there. If you're new to The Swamp, why not join us, hit the subscribe button, and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd absolutely love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but would still like to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories, no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free, from Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. It's normally really hard for me to pick one, and I bet it is for you guys too. If you would like to support The Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and potentially giving us a 5-star rating on Apple Podcast, maybe check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. Be sure to join me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy video.